Welcome to the Hop and Brew School podcast. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. And I'm Nick Ziegler. And we are here to talk about hops like we always are, except this time we're at the uh, physical Hop and Brew School at Yakima Chief Hops in Yakima, Washington. My first time here, Nick. Indeed. And uh, I cannot believe that you've gone this long without... Without spending time in a hop field. I know. Um, uh, yesterday, uh, we went to Bale Breaker for the opening reception. It was my first time ever setting foot in a hop field. And uh, I'm going to drag you out to some more this afternoon. Cool. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that the sun is in the sky and it's at peak 105 degree temperature. <laughs> that's know. really when you feel like what it's like to be here. So I do have to leave Hop and Brew School early uh, for my partner's wedding. Um, but I was looking at the weather and standing in the sun. And so I'm leaving tomorrow and it's hop field tours tomorrow mm-hmm. and i kind of was like yeah i don't think i want to miss that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think you're on tonight so you don't miss either yeah right <laughs> uh, but i have been having a, a a very good time here we've met some really cool people and learning a lot and recording some of these podcasts for you in fact we've uh, met an international audience who, who have come here um uh, my guest today steve carpenter with yakima chief of course he's a chief supply chain officer um and formerly of Carp- carpenter farms i hear you don't work on your family farm anymore, Steve. I didn't work when I was employed there either. That's, that's <laughs> okay. why they kicked me out. He is the but, chief uh, of chiefs. <laughs> uh, and Steve had mentioned uh, to the audience uh, earlier today that there's a map on the wall that everyone can go pin where they're from. And I've met people here from Canada, from Italy, obviously from the U.S. And so I'm, I'm excited. China, to- Japan, Mexico, Argentina, Paraguay, Chile. I love this. Korea. Uh, Spain, Italy, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, Korea. This is why we keep Nick around. And that's just Nick. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, when people ask where I'm from, like, can I have a dot just for shithole terminal uh, E3? Yeah. Because that's typically where I spent most of my life. <laughs> Our other guest today, uh, very excited to have him back on the program, Vinny Chalurzo from Russian River Brewing Company. Thanks for being here, Vinny. Good to see you, Justin, Nick. Uh, is everything? Is, oh, man, it is neat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Being able to be on the Brewing Network, I, I've, I've mentioned this before on Facebook and Twitter and said that y'all were crazy enough to get me behind a mic, but this yeah. is a, a huge career goal. And then uh, getting to do it with, uh, as a member of Yakima Chief and with Vinny Salorzo and John Palmer and yeah. all the legends is a uh, uh, terrifying, humbling, and a wow. wonderful experience. I'm me, glad so. that you don't take it for granted. I'm just here for the beer. <laughs> <laughs> we got so. plenty of that. <laughs> Uh, We've got a little Pliny in our glass, which is apropos because today we're going to talk about Simcoe. And uh, and maybe it seems a little ridiculous to spend an entire episode on one hop, but I think you're going to find that there's there's a a particular reason that we're doing this. And this hop is is very important, Um, not just to brewers now. It's okay. It's obvious that uh, if you go to almost any craft brewery worth their salt in the U.S. today, they've got a beer with 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 Simcoe some somewhere in it. But what you don't know is that this hop uh, almost never was. Uh, Now one of the craft brewery world's uh, most popular, it really almost never made it off the farm. And we're going to talk to Vinny and Steve about that today because I think it's a a pretty interesting story. And, And honestly... It's kind of a heartwarming story, so I can't wait to, to really dive into it. Um, let me start with this, Vinny. Um, how long have you been purchasing hops from the Yakima Valley? I'm not even going to just pin it down to YCH, but from the Yakima Valley. That, that'll go back to homebrew days, 1989. Okay. I was 
buying uh, ingredients from a little homebrew shop in East San Diego County, mm-hmm. uh, beer and wine craft. Hmm. And uh, earlier when I did a presentation here at Hop and Brew School, I talked about some experimental hops and uh, CFJ4 and CFJ90. And so those came through <laughs> Hop Union. CFJ90 was became Centennial. Steve and I talked about this as well. And, okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the beginning. And there's a you know, connection between Hop Union and Yakima Chief because they merged at one point. Sure. And then it's all become Yakima Chief. And um, so, yeah, there's a strong, strong connection there. But, um, and I've been coming up here since 2004. And now here we are in 2019, and you're here now for Hop and Brew School, but you're going to be back in a couple weeks to do Hop Selection. Yes. Yeah. I will be back for, for Selection. Absolutely. What can you just quickly? What takes place in in hop selection? Are you roaming around a bunch of fields? W- what happens? Hop selection's mostly at the at the farm or the broker. Okay. And and um, you know the it's it's fun to go out into the fields and whatnot, but you know the brewer has to be really respectful of the grower's time. Mm. You know, it's it's why Jason Peralt's not here. Sure. Because he's, they're harvesting and they're it's, running it's busy time. seven. It's busy. Um, with that said, the one field that Natalie and I do always go out into is with Jason at his, in his experimental field. And we'll okay. spend about an hour, maybe two hours out there wandering through. I have notes on my phone for hmm. eight, nine, ten years now of us doing this. Wow. Uh, we can go back and look at hops that are now commercialized for 438 which has now become sebro and oh yeah um others as well that um cool. that were uh, that were once just a number um 692 is probably what i'm most excited about right now it's a hop we've been looking at for years with jason and uh delicious an amazing pink grapefruit quality to it that i absolutely love and um yeah so okay. that's uh, that that's about the only fields we will go out into but but I otherwise like to, i like to do these early trips though like this because it gives me a kind of a barometer of where things are at okay with, with uh with harvest because you so you've clearly as a brewer uh, you you know what beers you're going to make for the year so you've contracted hops and hop varieties so when you come for selection it's not that you're picking a new variety it's that you're picking which lot within that variety you're going to take yeah, which 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 lot of let's use Simcoe since we're 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 talking about Simcoe and we buy more Simcoe than anything else in our you know pool of hops. So okay, yeah, we're we're looking at different lots, and I'm I'm a little bit of a purist. Um, I typically only buy Simcoe from the three original farms, <laughs> Loftus. Peralt and Carpenter. Okay. Some of that is also because we make this beer, Row 2 Hill 56, which is the premise is built on, it's 100% Simcoe beer built on the foundation that these were the three original farms. But to meet the uh, demand for Simcoe, Yakima Chief uh, started growing it at other farms. And maybe Nick wants to go into this and talk about picking window. And, and for me, Simcoe was the first hop that I really learned about picking window. Oh. And, you know, a, a farm can only grow so much hops. Mm-hmm. It's what's going on with Citra now. I mean, if I'm hearing And Mosaic and, and Laurel and Simcoe, <laughs> it's actually going on with all of them. There's, there's no more room unless you add farms 
to to grow these hops for the most part. Sure. So you got to look at efficiencies and whatnot. And some some of those efficiencies are are, are going to be end end up in the in the bailing room. But I want to back up a little bit, Vinny, because you said row two hill fifty six and also um, your uh, sort of your love of Simcoe. So th there's there's two things there. One anecdote. Do you remember the little temple to Simcoe? The little temple to Simcoe. When there were <laughs> offerings that people would start to go out to the Simcoe yard. Uh, <laughs> oh, beer. Okay, we got a beer delivery here. Uh, uh, um, Nick, we're just getting delivered our row two I hill fifty six. Unfortunately, they're out. But oh. I think this is Happy Hops. Oh, okay. or, yeah, oh that'll hops. do okay. just fine, right. won't it? Just All fine. Right. We're sorry, listeners okay. at home, to tease you yeah. with the great beer we just got delivered. Thank you, yeah. gentlemen, we'll for right doing that. That is very and your mixing board. That is very kind uh, of you. So what? What was this temple? Said temple. So um, I remember going out there and seeing in the Simcoe fields. It was you know it was pretty approximate. I don't think it was exact, uh, but it was. Uh, there were offerings of beer and tokens and stickers that brewers had left, <laughs> and this was it was out when Bailbreaker was to the Simcoe gods. To, is this to, what's to happening? Simcoe. Okay, um, and so it was it was the closest field they could get to, but they were leaving it there. It was. I have a picture of it somewhere on one of my old phones. I'm going to try to bring it up, but it is hilarious. There's like little bottles of beer and stuff. Um, but the second thing is is. When you talk about you, you, you got the you got the purist, and, and we're talking about picking windows and all that stuff. What are you looking for from Simcoe? What do you love about it? What do you want your Simcoe yeah. to be? Hmm. This will help me in about two weeks. So, so I so for <laughs> me, when you look at Simcoe and the picking window, let's call it ten days, eight, nine, ten days. Okay. Um, early Simcoe can be uh, a little bit milder in aroma. But it's got really clean grapefruit quality okay. to it. And I know brewers out there that only want early Simcoe. That's their thing. Um, and then middle Simcoe, middle middle of this 10-day picking window, mm -hmm. 9 or 10-day, is more pine. Okay. And then when you get to the later part of that 9 or 10-day window, it's getting more on the pungent side. Mm. And I wouldn't say onion garlic because onion garlic is what happens if you leave hops too, Way long. too long. But it's it's a little more on the it's it's a little danky. Catty? And maybe? it can get catty and that's and, and that's one of the things that I hear from a lot of other brewers that say yeah. Man, how do you make a, a Simcoe beer that doesn't smell and taste like you know cat pee sure and and as i think some of it probably is where we select our simcoe so to go back to next question i like uh simcoe that's somewhere between that grapefruit and pine so mm -hmm. it's probably on day four is is kind of where we're at and and in fact we're doing some uh experiments this year with peralt and so it's uh, without going into too much detail, Jason mm -hmm. is going to select the lot that he's going to do some kilning trials on that I asked him to do. Okay. But this means that for some of our Simcoe this year, uh, I'm not going to be here to actually pick the lot. So I'm relying on Jason. And this sure. is where those those long-term relationships come from or, 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 or pay off. Yeah. Um, so that Jason can go in and, and pick the lot that he knows that i like right some mm -hmm. of this comes from our friendship and hanging out together and spending years and years together yeah walking through fields and talking and uh 
And, but you know what? I totally trust him. Uh, I am surprised I and not surprised to hear this. I'm surprised because I know that you care about your beer from like from field to ferment, Vinny. Yeah. You are still a beer nerd at heart. Field to face. So I am, I am surprised about that. Uh, but then not surprised because I know you value your relationships. So, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> totally yeah. trust him. Yeah. Completely. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to talk to somebody about hop aroma and how it matures and how it's going to change as it dries... Jason's it's pretty hard to beat a uh, a hop grower who's mm-hmm. in the fields every day, yeah. sure. responsible for you know the genesis of that variety. Yeah. Well, um, I I, I want to get into the story of, of how we got here with Simcoe, um, but I do want to just point out that I'm glad you you've talked about the picking window and how the differences can happen. And the reason that I didn't like Simcoe for the longest time was that I also found them to be very catty, yeah. and that's when I was hanging out with Jeremy at Lagunitas one day, and I mentioned this to him. And he said, yeah, come here, come here, come here. And he brings me into his hop room and he, he opens a bag of hops and they smelt amazing and not catty at all. And he was explaining to me that these things can be, they can be very different. And a picking window, a lot, uh, a field that they grow on probably. So I, I was pleased because I thought I was the outlier, the only person on earth that didn't like Simcoe. I didn't like it for years as well <laughs> until I started brewing with it. And then I was like, oh. Right. Well, as it turns out, before Simcoe became popular, I wasn't alone at all because nobody liked Simcoe. <laughs> so why don't we talk about that? And I think what happened was Jason, you know, developed this hop, and I think he thought, okay, this one's really going to be a winner. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so you should correct me uh, if I'm wrong. But it really didn't take off, and, and, and maybe this is about where Vinny comes in. Can you tell me, am, am, I, am I close so far? Yeah, and I would, I would just add that um, I think – and if Jason was here, he would tell you that this was actually Simcoe when it was YCR 014 was the experimental number. That actually started out being bred by Jason's mentor and predecessor, Chuck Zimmerman. Okay. And, uh, and Jason will always throw that in. And maybe, maybe before we go any farther, maybe Steve can just give a couple, couple minutes about Chuck Zimmerman. Chuck, because yeah. he's, he was you know, what, what Jason is to hop breeding now. Chuck was previous to that, and Chuck touched a ton of public hops as well. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of hops. So maybe we start there, and then we'll yeah. roll back. Yeah, yeah. Go. Yeah, Chuck Zimmerman, uh, you know, started his career as a, a public hop reader and, and had a hand and even going back to uh, Cascade. Yeah. When, when he was just a young man in his career, that cross that was made back in the mid-'50s or whatever and then wow. released in uh, 1972. But Centennial, Chinook. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, major public varieties that uh, Chuck uh, did did the breeding for. Amazing. And uh, and then he uh, actually went to work for uh, Hop Union, uh, Sunny Hops originally, and then Hop Union USA, mm-hmm. the German-owned company. And uh, when he was there, started doing private breeding, originally at his house, and then eventually he did uh, some private breeding with uh, Hop Union. And when he left Hop Union in 1988, um, he went to work as a consultant for Pfizer and started working with the three families to try to find markets for our uh, alpha hops. And he says, hey, by the way, you know, I've, I'd really like to get out of this private breeding thing. Hmm. Uh, I've got some varieties here, some crosses, 
And Jason, I think, was still in high school yeah. back then. Wow. Uh, Jason, the pictures, he's so young. Wow. That's amazing. Jason talks, tells me stories about going through the fields, you know, in his, you know, in this summer, you know, three months off from school and just following Chuck around. And right. Yep. he once told me he was like his second <clears throat> father. Yeah. You know? oh, very much so. I, I remember taking a video of Chuck and Jason out in the experimental brewery. I've still got that somewhere. Yeah. I made copies. Uh, my dad, uh, Tom, was uh, asked by Chuck's family to give the eulogy at his funeral. Oh, wow. And I get a phone call at 3 in the morning from my dad. He could hardly talk. Mm. He's got this laryngitis mm. thing going. So I, he passed the, uh, um, his notes to me, and, and I had the yeah. privilege of actually giving the wow. eulogy at Chuck's funeral. Wow. Uh, but it, uh, mm. we made copies of this uh, uh, CD disc for all the family and, and gave it to them. There's still a couple of those yeah, out right. there. I've, I've got I've to get uh, you a copy that you'd really enjoy it. Yeah. But Chuck and Jason, yeah. and evidently mullets were in style back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, did, did, did they that? both have no, one? No, no, Chuck just, didn't. But just Jason. Jason. Chuck didn't have hair, but Jason definitely <laughs> did. Jason had a nice one. Oh, I love this. And uh, so they were out, and they're going through all of the uh, – single hill and kind of explaining kind of what they were all about and chuck is talking and jason's in the background kind of taking notes meticulously sure uh but uh chuck was very instrumental in getting our start uh in really hot breeding and developing varieties and simcoe was originally developed as an alpha hop yeah yeah and kind of had the alpha in that 13 13 and a half percent range okay but it had a very low co-age, yep. and that's what we, we really thought. This this might be a good uh, variety for a brewery looking for uh, that low co-age. Mm-hmm. So the co- that's cohumulone for, yeah, for so those of you. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Clean bitterness. Okay. Yeah. yeah. High co- cohumulone would be more of a harsh bitterness. Is that what if, the idea is? If you is? believe in it, some brewers don't, don't. Okay. believe in that. I, I'm of the camp that I still do believe okay. in it. And, um I, I think you can tell a difference in a high or low okay. co-age. So oh, this you can was definitely tell a difference. I'm not sure if it's harsher yeah. or not. Right. So this is high alpha, low uh, uh, a CH. Yeah. Uh, yes. And and so we thought we had, uh, uh, you know, kind of a replacement. It didn't have a real big yield potential. Hmm. Uh, so in terms of kilograms per acre, it, it wasn't great. But we just thought this niche of this low co-age might, might be attractive to some brewers and Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> right. And it and it wasn't quite high enough in alpha acid Correct. to become a, a hot that could be bitter, you know, turned into extract. Yeah. Because which is what most hmm. you know, high alpha What what would the what would the standard be for that in so, alpha so C, acid? C T Z at the time was kind of the alpha hop. Okay. Uh, and and its alpha range <laughs> Uh, if Simcoe's 13 to 13 and a half, its alpha's probably in that 16 to 18% range. Okay. And the yield potential's probably uh, 35 to 40% more than Simcoe. Got it. So in terms of producing kilograms of pure if, resin If you're extract, a farmer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm growing well, if this. An, if you're an extract. If you're an extract, okay. Yeah. yeah. I see. Okay. Okay. So, so this hop comes along. Um, so, so, so it was the last hop that uh, Chuck touched. Okay. And and I believe he got sick or I'm not sure how the story yep. goes, but he falls ill. Um and that it got passed on to Jason and um you know, Jason kind of took it over the finish line. 
Okay. So Chuck, Chuck started it and, and Jason uh, finished it and it got, um, well, we had a, we had a salesman for Yak, my salesman for Yakima chief while Russian river brewery was out at Corbell. So this is oh, from back then. Okay. 97, mm-hmm. 98, 99 was an English, uh, gentleman named Gerard lemons mm-hmm. who has a fantastic knowledge of hops and a lot of what I know about hops. I, I learned from, from, uh, Gerard and we had this beer hop to it. It was a single hop beer and you know, that's not you know groundbreaking now but in the time it was mm. there wasn't mm-hmm. anyone doing it and nobody doing it where they released the beers so we would hmm. put these beers out and we started with old school varieties bromling cross Eroica, bullion and they just brewed everything mm-hmm. and then we got to these experimentals that gerard would bring me that all were numbered weiss you know uh, yakima chief was it would that be ycr was yakima chief ranches ranches yep. and and they were just different numbers so mm-hmm. one became a tanum five became warrior four i think was palisade that's right 14 was the one that rocked my world and so in 99 or so somewhere in there maybe it was the year before gerard brought that to me rooted as a single hop beer and even before i dry hopped it i remember pulling a sample off the fermenter and just going whoa that aroma is amazing mm. i've never smelled anything There's like something that. there there is something there and and then the next year it was released under the name simcoe and that was when we first started making pliny so it kind of I built a, a beer pliny around simcoe and of course there was lots of adjustments and tweaking with the recipes back then and I'm sure we even brewed some batches without Simcoe just to see what it was was like. But it yeah. was a very impactful hop. And but keep in mind we were not brewing that beer year round. Okay. So it wasn't until nineteen until two thousand and four um when we Interesting. Had, had left Corbell and Natalie and I had, you know, reopened Russian River and downtown santa rosa that pliny became a full-time beer got it and one of the world it's worth noting one of the world's if not the uh, first double ipa so it was a seasonal at corbell is what you're saying yeah, it was so you open russian river the year before the brewing network starts by the way i love that we've grown up together yes, a little bit have. i uh, cannot believe uh, <laughs> that you were that small back then <laughs> you, I mean, and you yeah. too, John. I mean, and, and just to some extent, you as well. Like, y'all have yeah. been kind of giants in my brewing. <laughs> yeah. My we're, brewing, you know, we're all really just tiny men inside. Right? <laughs> That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> we we do all this to make ourselves feel bigger. Uh, okay, so Pliny becomes year-round, and I, I just want to stop you for a second because. Why is it that you found something, not more than something, a lot of things about this hop that, that really blew your mind and, and nobody else gave a shit for lack of a better term? I think, I think because most breweries weren't thinking about making IPA. Okay. And I, was, I was already an IPA brewer going all the way back to Blind Pig with yeah. the original Blind Pig in Temecula with Blind Pig IPA with our inaugural ale, with our second anniversary ale hmm. that were all big West Coast IPAs and... And it's it's worth noting that when you look into the the details of of Simcoe, it was released in two thousand yeah. with nine acres planted. Okay. <laughs> By two thousand and two, they'd re- so and, and there was three the three farms Carpenter, Peralt, mm-hmm. and Loftus had started Yakima Chief and owned 
Simcoe or own the root stock, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. But by 2002, uh, they'd reduce it to three acres. Wow. Because nobody was, <laughs> nobody was buying. That sounds to me like you were buying all three acres. And, then, and I don't think I was. <laughs> okay. There had to have been some other. Okay, okay. yeah. Um, 2003, um, same thing, three acres. Uh, 2003 also, um, I just learned this from Pat Smith uh, the other night, that they actually let all this, the three acres hang. Hmm. They had enough inventory from the year before in the hop freezers sure that they just didn't, didn't even didn't even no, harvest you're no. saying yeah um and i know somewhere in there i remember mike smith told me this at some point that like 50,000 pounds of simcoe were just thrown out wow and literally was, thrown out yeah okay yeah. there was nobody using it and and yet it was the the foundation of pliny and it was in 2004 that pliny started getting some momentum mm-hmm. but it wasn't really until 2008 or 2009 that Pliny became really popular sure and the line started forming and you know Pliny the Younger also mm-hmm. has an awful lot of Simcoe in it mm-hmm. and that really you know took off in 2010 and so and at I this know, point brewers are as your beer is becoming popular brewers are clearly asking you what are you hopping with yeah and you keep saying Simcoe yeah, and it's worth noting that we had, if you, and I'm sure you remember this, we published the homebrew yes. recipe that's right. that had Simcoe shown Thank in it. Thank you so much uh, for that, by the way, from all homebrewers ever. <laughs> yeah, and that became a foundation. My hope was that that would become a foundation for a homebrewer to, sure. to, to brew uh, a, a double IPA. And whether they copied it, my hope was that it would just be the foundation and they could build around it. Yeah. And and I, I never really knew the parallel of the actual Simcoe sales and, you know, growth. and Right. You weren't getting weekly planted. reports about this. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't until years later that I, I found out that there was kind of a, a – a growth pattern of Pliny and Simcoe kind of went together. and So can we, all right, I want to pause here. Maybe both you and Steve can, can help me here because you, Vinny, you, I, I, we had, a, I had the pleasure of having a beer with you last night and we started to talk about this history. So you, you, Pliny becomes popular. Uh, subsequently, Simcoe becomes popular, but you had mentioned something to me that kind of caught me off guard. And that was that, um, that maybe some of these farms growing hops before we got into varietals, before we got into brands, hop farmers might have been struggling a little bit. And and is that something that sort of parallels Simcoe? That 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 in a way the popularity of Simcoe really helped out some family farms like yours, Steve. Can we talk about that? We can, and and there's no doubt about it. Okay. And, you know, before I start, I just want to say that Vinny he really personifies our mission at Yakima Chief Hops because. Our job is to connect the world's finest brewers with family hop farms. Mm-hmm. And what Vinny has shared with us through the years in terms of how our hops interact with his beers mm-hmm. uh, has been a real basis upon which we built our success, getting that feedback from brewers. Sure. And, and yes, I, I mean, the, the, uh, the chronological history is... Uh, you, you can't dispute that there's a correlation between the types of things Vinny uh, was doing with some of our hops and our growth. Uh, 2007 was a pretty dark year for me personally. Mm. Uh, 
you know, I was a farmer back then. Um, I didn't leave the farm by choice. Okay. Uh, I basically, we had to do some downsizing for us to survive and be bankable. Um, it was decided I probably had some marketable skills. And so I, <laughs> I stepped into, not that my brothers don't. I was going to say, what does that say about your brothers? <laughs> but uh, uh, I think they would agree that, uh, Steve, you probably got the best chance of succeeding outside of the farming. <laughs> I see. And so it just happened an opportunity at Acma Chief uh, to take over as CEO there. Okay. We had our CEO kind of rotating out. And and, and just so I'm clear, at this time, your your family farm is growing 100% hops. You don't have another product? No, no. Oh, you had other? Okay. Yeah, we were growing a few wine grapes and some tree fruits, uh, which weren't doing all that great at the time either. So times are tough. So, So we downsized the farm, sold some property, and frankly didn't have enough revenue coming in to feed all the families so i uh, it was that it was that desperate yeah it was mm-hmm. and um, that's that's something know, to appreciate it's it, not it, that long ago yeah, yeah yeah which is astounding to me not at if, all if we had steve peralt here he would tell a very similar story mm-hmm. uh about uh you know his farm actually um you know being on the auction block and wow. having to to buy it back so it was in dire straits mm-hmm. uh, at the time, and uh, Vinny and others. You know, the other the other group that that came in and, and that uh, started using a uh, little Simcoe in their beers was Nick. You'll know these two Scottish kids uh, from Aberdeen. Mm. I, I just I cannot believe that we were actually part of that. By that point, it, to me, it was just we're it, talking about Brewdog, right? Brewdog, yeah, uh, yeah. Yep, James and Martin. Uh, they they came by the booth at uh, the Brow in 2007. That's when they just and, started. And they had about a six pack, I believe, oh, and uh, and I think we drank all of it at our booth. Okay. And they kept bringing me these beers, and you know, we've got a lot of home brewers uh, here for Hop and Brew School, and mm-hmm. uh, I would say this in front of them. You know, a home brewer brings his beer to you, and it's a, it's a it's a toss of the dice. And, and you, yeah, agreed. You, Our listeners agree. Don't you worry. Say, yes, I will try that, but you're also looking for a place to kind of <laughs> dump it. I will, I will try one sip and maybe more. Yeah. So that's exactly what I was expecting uh, with uh, the beer these two young Scottish kids were bringing to our booth, and they were all amazing. I you, think you had you had punk six point three. And punk was twice the almost almost twice the alcohol it is now. It it was amazing, and was everything they brought us was amazing. And so I gave him my card, and I, of course that was during kind of the hop crisis. Yeah. Quote, there there was a minor fire right over there. There used to be a warehouse just on the other side of the pellet plant that uh, no longer exists. Good lord! To, to the <laughs> listeners who cannot see where I'm pointing, uh, this is about uh, yeah. three hundred feet yeah. to my left. Yeah. Wow! So something like that. So. We happened to have, uh, I think, a pallet of Chinook. We had some Autanum, and we also had a pallet of Simcoe. Mm-hmm. And that, that we were just sitting there, had no home. As you, we'll send you these three yeah. uh, pallets, and if you can use them, that's great. Good for and, you, yeah. Uh, so a lot of their beers to this day are kind of based on those yes. three, three varieties. So if you, so look, at, if you look at the BrewDog recipe book, actually, um, Autanum, Chinook and Simcoe uh, were a core of punk, hardcore, and 5 a.m. Saint, which were the first three leaders. And then you Mm -hmm. had Tokyo and a bunch of other crazy ones. And we still actually use Simcoe a lot. Actually, uh, there was a period where um, uh, Libertine Black Ale, it's a black IPA, 
it's the last black IPA I actually remember and liking drinking, uh, including the ones I made after that, uh, is almost 100% Simcoe. Mm-hmm. And it is a banging IPA. Wow. Um, and it's a black IPA. Um, and we actually ended up making about a tank of it uh, every six months because the brewers drank it at the bar. I see. <laughs> it was, it was so ridiculous. This is really, th- so this is just defining moment in, 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 in your family's history and, and other farmers as well. And so... Th- it reminds me, especially this, like, I've got three pallets left, and this is what mm-hmm. we have, and I hope it helps. Um, the Brewing Network had been around for probably about six or seven years, maybe maybe six. Uh, what, my, 2007? My, my, oh. No, no, just, just story. my own Sorry. history. My, my credit cards were maxed out. The sponsors mm-hmm. weren't signing up. Um, you know, we had a ton of listeners, uh, just as you, you probably had a ton of brewers, but it just things weren't just happening. And I said to my staff, I said, we're going to go to one more Great American Beer Festival. We had been, you know, four times. This is probably our fifth year. I said, we're going to go to one more. And uh, if, if, if we don't start getting sponsors, this is it. You know, when we get home, we're, we're closing up shop. And the reason I bring it up is because I don't really know what happened, but somehow I came home from the Great American Beer Festival and the phone started ringing. Mm-hmm. And people started to sponsor. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know what changed per se. It was a lucky, lucky moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I've since paid off my credit cards. <laughs> um, and so, it, it, and, and, I, and I know that it's not all luck, but, but I'm sure that in some way you feel that, that, that fate just wasn't going to let your family uh, fail at this, at this hop farm at this point. Because luckily, somebody like Vinny produced, not only was he smart enough to, to like the hop and produce a beer, but then the public accepted it in such a way that brewers glommed on. Because yep. if the brewers didn't glom on, then it doesn't matter. Well, I, would, I would say it was actually probably the brewers that were drinking Pliny, mm. that were mm-hmm. finding Pliny. And, you know, we were taking it to the Great American Beer Festival every year. Mm-hmm. Any festival we would go to in the oh. Bay Area, we would have it, Southern California. And I think it was brewers that were drinking it, and then they started using it. And well, the consumers this, yeah. then started... Knowing what it was. Knowing to be like, mm-hmm. I like this. And then yeah. and more people used Shortly it. Shortly thereafter, yeah. Yeah. our phones started ringing. Okay, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, uh, just like yours did. Which is why I brought and, that up, yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, a lot of it was just due to Vinny's faith in that variety and faith in us to right. to start expanding it uh, to uh, keep the uh, Pliny pouring. <laughs> All right, you're hitting me right here. Right, This is hitting home. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a real quick break. Um, and, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this point forward because uh, I think it's fascinating that the that the the event we're sitting at today might not exist without uh, without this hop. And I think that's a very uh, impressive legacy. So hang in there. You're listening to the Hop and Brew School podcast, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Hop and Brew School podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We are speaking with Vinny Chalurzo from Russian River Brewing Company and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hops. And uh, we are talking about the legacy of, of Simcoe, which uh, maybe more than, than any other hop has uh, helped to define the, the craft beer and, and hop industry as we know it. And where we left off, we just kind of started talking about how uh, Simcoe started reaching popularity. Uh, Steve's family farm finally started, the phone started ringing again um, for this hop. And I'm guessing you kind of rode the wave of Simcoe for, for a little bit before even new varietals came out, which is something we see, you know, semi-often now. Yeah, that was probably our first um, 
smashing success story in terms of varieties coming out of the breeding program. Okay. We had uh, uh, Autanum. We had Palisade. We had Warrior, those varieties. And then the other interesting thing is in 2000, maybe 2001, um, really as a result of a bunch of lawsuits over hop varieties, Mm. uh, we formed Hop Breeding Company. Uh, which is a Yakima Chief and uh, John I. Haas uh, partnership, okay. if you will. Yeah. And that was a shotgun wedding, really, because it was a way of settling a bunch of wow. lawsuits. And I see. And, and now out of that program, Citra was the first variety that came out of that program. And subsequently, uh, Mosaic, which is uh, daughter of uh, Simcoe. I, th- I think that gets forgotten a lot, or most people don't even know it, that Simcoe and Mosaic have a have a relationship yeah that's and, and that's awesome because they seem so different to me those two yeah they are ah, well where jason was seen earlier and if any you actually alluded to it is that deep blueberry character for me from mm. mosaic mm-hmm. is a concentration mm. of that mid uh early spruce tip i call it the red fruit character from simcoe which we'll mm. talk about yeah. later um and then the dankness that Sim- that mosaic can also show um, it sh- mosaic will show a little bit earlier yeah. than Simcoe, and I think it's hmm. I think it's interesting. But yeah, I, when I, I, but the, I, to me, they're they're in the same. When I did my presentation earlier at the Hop and Brew School here, it was I talked about mosaic and blueberry. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. talking about yeah, that was uh, something I just absolutely loved in that early mosaic, and I'm still trying to find awesome. exactly where the picking window is for that okay um, I'll, I'll do what i can so for you buddy nick's gonna help you find uh, it uh, yeah uh, hey, you have I, to you have to go all the way from 2000 uh which was when simcoe was released okay to 2008 when citra was released okay so anyway, think about that eight, you had to ride you mm-hmm. kind of rode simcoe for for those years years yep. yeah. interesting but, but simcoe in conjunction with other things as well i mean it wasn't just Simcoe. It was learning how to use, and I think that's that's what that's really what kicks this off hmm. is that brewers uh, diving in and understanding that, hey, this flavor profile exists in this hop, but it's maximized when I combine it with this one, or mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's tamped down and this other aspect comes up, and that that sort of hop blending for fun is is one of the things yeah. that at, at least. For me, as a brewer, was was one of my favorite things to do. Sure. And also here in the hop industry now is, is, I mean, I, I just want you guys to do more. Cause <laughs> I like drinking good beer. We, you know, we knew Simcoe arrived when we started visiting craft breweries, and the mascot dog in every one of them was named Simcoe. Simcoe. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't tell you how many dogs oh, I met yeah, yeah. At, at our brewery along the years <laughs> that was named, named Simcoe. Simcoe. You're exactly right, Steve. I have in mind say, Pliny. If yeah. or Vinny, actually, yeah. maybe. I've actually met a lot of Pliny dogs too. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Did you correct uh, them and say it's Pliny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, I know you're not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, mm-hmm. but Steve, I'm a negative Nancy sometimes, and I'm like, with the popularity now and all the brewers buying it and the dogs named Simcoe, mm-hmm. part of me, want, if I'm you, if I'm your family, I'm like, yeah, well, where the fuck 
were you that this hop's been around and <laughs> oh, oh, oh Vinny likes it now so everything's wonderful and again I'm not gonna I'm not looking a gift horse in the mouth right so you're probably not questioning this but it was always the same hop it, it just took somebody of note somebody that yep. brewers respected a beer that brewers respected to yep. to turn things around for you well I, and I think Vinny and the rest of the craft uh, segment really look at hops different than yeah you know a yeah. big mass producing lager producer and we love those guys too sure. they make great beer and they're great customers of ours but looking for hops that really bring flavor and aroma to the beer yeah Lots instead of, of just instead of just bittering that was big for us yeah i mean yeah. and and it still remains big to this day sure i think a part of the growth of this too was that ipas were very quietly getting a little inertia behind them and it wasn't until probably more like 2012 13 14 15 right 15 yeah so no I, i'm thinking I 2000 know. i was saying 2005 dude Five. <clears throat> like i i like in 98 i was working in a craft beer bar yeah. it was like the one in all of nova yeah uh, in virginia and i had the privilege to taste uh i got uh we got kegs of cantillon Mm -hmm. In 1999, and I started in 1998, but yeah. 1999, we got kegs of Maximus. There was one keg of right. Maximus. at one point. Yeah. It was Michael's Bistro. It was a bunch of beer geeks. Uh, and yeah. those were what just uh, – first one was actually uh, Red Hook IPA. But after that, it was Maximus, Pliny, mm -hmm. and then I had some Schneiderweiss, and then, like I was like, oh, my God, yeah. beer is yeah. this huge variety of wonderfulness. Sure. Uh, to me, it started in the late 90s, yeah. but what you guys are saying is that it... Yeah, not really till the 2000s that it took I'm, off like to that. The I mean, I know, because I know that the, you know, when Younger went crazy, that was mm -hmm. 2010, and wow. Elder, Elder was just getting some inertia behind it in 2008, 2009, because Natalie and I weren't even paying attention to it, Yeah, and suddenly there's people waiting in line, <laughs> and, right. you know, and... and and so, I mean, and the, the IPA craze that we're in now wasn't that long ago yeah. that it, you know, that it happened. And So can um, you tell me, so I'm thinking, it sounds like you sort of found out later the impact that this had on not just beer, but people's lives. Is this something in your career that, that is notable to you, that, that really means something to you? Yeah, you know, I, I remember uh, having dinner one night at the Smith's house a handful of years ago, Natalie and I up for hop selection and Mike says something. He says, you know, I, we really got to thank you for what you did. And I, I didn't really, I didn't realize the yeah. impact that it had. And, and it was around that time that we were becoming friends with, with Steve's family, with the Carpenters and with the Peralts and the Smiths at Loftus. And sure. I just kept hearing this, this gratitude and, um, wow. yeah, yeah it, you know what? I'm, it makes me, I'm, I'm proud of it. It's yeah. one of the most proud things that I have. It's one of the things that I'm most proud of Sure, that, that Natalie and I have been able to help these family farms in this small way that I right. think hopefully Pliny was a little part of that, I think. And, and it, it propelled Simcoe and, you know, Simcoe was definitely the first, you know, like I want to say almost a cult hop, if you will. It mm. kind of get got this cult following behind it, and then yeah. it, then it was Citra and Mosaic, and I mean the hard thing now for, 
you know, Yakima chief is what do you do after <laughs> this? You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's, and it's the same thing for brewers because the consumer is just looking for more and more. Oh, and more. It's yeah. like, how much more hops can you put into a <laughs> squeeze into a bottle can or keg of beer? Yeah. And We're going to actually use the residual sugars and hops instead of barley. <laughs> yeah. A mashing full of hops. We're going <laughs> to filter yeah. it through hops. We're going to dry yeah. hop it with hops and yeah. then uh, basically it. just drink hops. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, to, to go back to just saying, I am, I'm, I'm proud of it. It's one of the sure things that I am proud of. And Good. we've been able to, you know, help these farms out. And yeah, it's important. I talked about this earlier when I did my presentation was the friendships of, sure. that have come from all this. That's, that's, that's amazing. Well, I think I asked the question the way I ask it, because I think there's a point in everyone's uh, career, uh, life, career, uh, where you do start to evaluate your legacy. And you, you kind of wonder, and, and those of us who, in, in any industry, who have uh, uh, strived for excellence, I think, you know, looking to leave behind a legacy. And I think we know that the Russian River legacy is going to be about innovation, uh, great beer, hoppy beer, uh, sour beer. Um, you, you have a lot to leave there, but this one is a very human one. And so that's why I ask you that, because I think that sometimes we care about that, too, that we want to leave behind a, a human legacy that is maybe just not the product that we produce. Well, and I had heard these stories, like Steve alluded to, of like why he left the farm. Yeah. He left because there wasn't enough, yeah. you know, food to go around to feed everyone. And, and then I heard similar stories from the Smiths and the Peralts. And right. There's some... You know, there's some near tear jerk stories between those those two farms. Absolutely. That, um, we'll we'll put some tears in your eyes of you know of of the true struggle and you know these are multi generation family farms. And right. To be able to you know have a beer like Pliny, aid, have aid, an impact. Have an impact was was. Uh, well, you should be proud. It's heartfelt. It's it, it is, and, and it's part of why we're telling this story because I think uh, you know beer has a lot of uh, of, uh, of anthropological, a lot of human stories behind it. Um, I think in today's beer world, because we're just looking for the next big thing, it's just easy to talk about more hops and hazy beers, and I don't know, I don't know what else. Uh, so to me, it's nice to go back to hey, by the way, also you know, beer occasionally changes lives, and so this is really nice. Well, why don't we do this? Uh, now that we know uh, how, how Simcoe got us to here, I would like to know some of the things you like about Simcoe. Um, and, and I want to know specifically because, like I said, I was one who was kind of a Simcoe hater for yeah. a minute there. Um, so, what, you know, it, it express to me some of the characteristics you're looking for in Simcoe. Yeah. And, and again, even to reiterate what you learned about when it's harvested. Yeah, so I touched on it briefly that grapefruit – um, would be an earlier picked Simcoe. The pine is middle, a little more pungent. What I forgot to mention, with, and and I think Nick, you called it. We were just talking at our break, kind of red fruit, generic sort of bubblegum middle fruitiness. There's bubblegum, interesting. It's, it's, it's that it's it's the sweetness underlying fresh spruce tips. Okay, it's a it's a very distinctive thing. It's got a like, tiny hint of menthol, but it's kind of like. When bubble yum is a little bit too much. <laughs> and I call it lychee. Right? Yeah. The, the lychee fruit, fruit. which <laughs> is a very intense and very distinct aroma and flavor. But, two methyl acetobutyrate. But most people, thank you. 
that <laughs> I wouldn't have known or remembered. There you go. That's why um, we have Nick around. Yes. No, that's um, what, actually that's from Pat. I went, yeah. actually went into the lab before this show just to make sure. <laughs> uh, and I probably got right. that wrong, too. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Justin, you and I would have forgotten it already. Absolutely. I already forgot it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yummy fruity yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but lychee, lychee fruit or lychee nut, as it's sometimes called, is, is a very distinct quality. And, and I often get that in... In Simcoe, but it also carries through to the beer. Mm-hmm. These, these mm-hmm. things carry through to the beer. If, if it doesn't carry through, what's um, the point? What's the point? Yeah. So sure. I mean, obviously, double IPA. Um, once once we had figured out how it fit into uh, Pliny, we actually started applying a little bit to Blind Pig. You know, I mean, when think back to Blind Pig Brewery in 1994 when we started the brewery. Obviously, Simcoe didn't exist, so mm-hmm. Simcoe is now in the, the Blind Pig IPA recipe. Not a lot, just enough to lift up the aroma, so it's a part of the Whirlpool okay. addition, and it just adds a, a little um, bit of, uh, of, of the grapefruit quality, and, and there's a little bit in the dry hop, but we're talking a pretty minuscule amount, but again, just to add uh, a little bit of... Uh, of, of lift hmm. to the overall aroma because Blind Pig is based around a lot of old school varieties, Cascade, right. Centennial, Chinook, because that's yeah. all that was Which available. Which is why, by then. the way, I just want to go on record as saying that Blind Pig is the superior IPA on the planet. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I am not a Pliny. I, I, I shouldn't say I'm not a Pliny fan. I am a Pliny fan. But I will reach for a Blind Pig any day of the week. Um, so I'm glad you're saying all of that, yeah. although you, you're increasingly making me a Simcoe fan by mentioning it also has Simcoe. <laughs> now, we, now we, there was a, a, a trip several years um, after 2010 when, um, when you know, the, both Pliny's kind of took be, off. Took off mm-hmm. And um, I was at Carpenter, Peralt, and Loftus all in the same day. And all three farms mentioned, all three visits, I was with Steve's brother, Brad, and then I was with Jason and Steve at Peralt, and then uh, Mike and Pat Smith at Loftus, and all of them randomly mentioned Row 2, Hill 56, Mm. as the original location Mm -hmm. in the single hill. So that means that the original Pliny uh, planting was the... Yeah, sorry. The original Simcoe planting, Simcoe yeah. planting. they've yeah. become that synonymous. Makes, uh, we could just change the name. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was the second row over and the 56th hill in. So, okay. row two, hill 56. And I'm like, oh, we got to make a, yeah. uh, an all Simcoe pale ale. Wow. And, uh, and it's to this day, it's our most popular pale ale that we mm-hmm. make at the brewery. It's but a great the beer. trick was not, not getting some of the obnoxious flavors that that mm-hmm. some uh, brewers will tell you that Simcoe gives. Mostly it's kind of a, a catty, cat pee quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've never seen that ever in in the beer. And I think a lot of that goes back to uh, selecting the lot that works best for us. Okay. Yeah. But yet I know um, brewers that specifically look for later harvested Absolutely. Simcoe, because in the IPA or double IPA that they use it in, it's a very small fraction of the total. Let's say it's two pounds per barrel. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's only two hundred grams, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a tiny fraction just to give a little bit of that danky pungentness that right. Simcoe can give that works in the overall flavor profile. Um, 
one of my favorite IPAs is Odell IPA. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they use earlier uh, harvested Simcoe, or at least they, they used to. I'm, I'm sure they still do. And, and, but that's a blend of dry hops. That's not just, you know, just sure. like Pliny. There's, there's several hops in the dry hop. Um, so there's, there's a lot of great places you can use it. I've used it in hazy IPAs before. I've used it in pale ales um, other than row two. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so the hop is quite versatile. Right. And we talked about it at the beginning. Steve did about how the hop was actually bred to be a bittering hop. Mm-hmm. Back when we were um, doing our R&D batches for our collaboration with Sierra Nevada, the Brett finished beer Brucks, mm-hmm. I, we would brew the beer, the base beer at Sierra, and then I would drive one of our delivery trucks and pick up the kegs, and then I would bottle all of the test batches because they, they didn't want the Brett in Sierra Nevada. Okay. Well, at the time, Scott Jennings, the... Scott's now the North Carolina brewmaster for Sierra, but back then he was their pilot brewery at in Chico, and he was making these loggers. He's like, he was like double decocting lager. Mm-hmm. There were several batches that he bittered with Simcoe. Mm. Bittering hop was Simcoe. You would have never known it, but when you think back to why Simcoe was originally bred, it was bred it was to bittering, bittering mm-hmm. and it's got a quite low cohumulone and so it's if you a clean bitterness right very it's, clean it does some like the the subtlest character persists but it's not like bittering with a uh, uh columbus a columbus or a victoria's secret, secret for yeah. example or a, sorry fix yeah. secret yeah or any of the other ones where you will get a persistent flavor that that lasts yeah. the entire beer's life yeah um uh, simcoe in the boil provides bittering tiny bit of touchy character and then that's it. That's why that's why brewing a single hop beer yeah. with a new hop or an old hop is so impactful. Always test it. That's yeah. how you test the yeah. that's how you test the beer mm. recipe. Sure. We use we use a lot of Amarillo as well. My other fave. But I'll never use that for bittering after doing the the hop to it batch. Um, it was just too harsh of a mm. bitterness. I okay. honestly don't even know what the numbers are on it. Doesn't even matter. Just came across that way. It just came across as harsh. Yeah. And um, but man, is it beautiful on the you know, on the aroma side. Sure. And and so Simcoe is just a multi-purpose. It's got all kinds. But the fact that it was used as a bittering hop in a lager and a pilsner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was great. Well, and I'm glad that you bring up just how versatile it is because I, I think it's 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 pretty interesting that it was so impactful in the industry as as a hop. Yet it's in, in Pliny. It's one of what nine different hops yeah. I think that you hop yeah. that beer with. Is it yeah. nine? But it's, I was it trying is, to remember. It is <laughs> of the percentages, there's more Simcoe. Okay, than there's more Simcoe. Else. Yeah, but I remember looking at you when yeah, you first gave more beer your your homebrew recipe. <laughs> yeah, uh, not your your Pliny recipe. Yeah. I just remember thinking, okay, homebrewers already throw the kitchen sink at their beer, and now yeah. Vinny is going to make it worse <laughs> because he has nine different hops. But I just think the the, the, the hop stands out that well. I guess yeah. is why I bring it up. Yeah. You know, even among all of those, and that you would find something missing that little component, whatever it adds, whenever you use it, you wouldn't be happy with the beer without it. Something yeah. would be missing. Absolutely. So, yeah. hey Vinny, um, can you come up and sit in front of our GC? Uh, We've got an old factory report. Oh yeah, I, I would love to. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, I was just in a presentation uh, next door earlier, and oh, wait, are you saying you want a GC Vinny? 
Yes. <laughs> That's what it sounded like okay. you were asking. How about I just run you through the GC? It's going to be a very yeah. painful. No, yeah. uh, we actually have a no factory report where yeah. I would I love to that. have you sit down and just yeah. click, 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 yeah. and tell me what you see. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, yeah. We we actually smell. So when you come up for selection, yeah. Um, Let's uh, so get your impressions. Let's get your impressions on the on the actual rubs, and then let's get you in in front of the olfactory port. And yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've actually never done this before. I believe Natalie got to do it once at Sierra Nevada, um, but there was only time for one of us to do it. And I think I was working on some project with Brian. And let's do both. And and Natalie got to do it, but I've nice. I've still never never done it. So, okay, um, yeah. there are still firsts and in I, your career. And I and I think um, honestly, I think Natalie's got a better palate than i do uh, I she's got a better nose than i do interestingly enough women they often tend to do. score about 25 percent higher mm -hmm. in consistency and recognition than yeah. men it's not surprising when when we come and do selection i would be very nervous now to do it without natalie yeah she oh, for is, sure she's I like really that. good yeah. It's very similar to hops, where males are pretty much useless except for breeding. <laughs> <laughs> for breeding. Right. So, yeah. Well, it's it's one of it's one of those things. Nature where like, is just nature, <laughs> Steve. You can't yeah. fight it. <laughs> At one point, so I, I always goes like, I like this, and then people say why. I'm like, I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we and, don't know. Uh, don't I, know. I've smelled 37 varieties, or sorry, lots in this session. I. I like this one. I don't like the others. Just, just deal with it. <laughs> you know, we have I don't a, want to tell you anymore. We have a, a really kick-ass sensory room now, and and we're building up our sensory program. And but one thing Natalie and I um, have talked to Taylor and Danielle who run our sensory is it's great, and we're using Draft Lab, and it's awesome, and everyone's got it on their phone, and we get like forty, fifty people on sensory day for within the company. But now we need to start training. And that's yeah. and that's our that's the the next step for us at Russian River is for you know training everyone because if you don't know what like just yesterday I was I had a couple of my crew with me and we were at a farm that we work with and they had some open pollination stuff that um, uh, pop experiments mm -hmm. and I couldn't put my finger on it and then finally someone said oh it's pear. It's like, mm. that's it. There you that's go. The yeah. Last state in a low level, it's just six, six, three hexanol. And thank you. <laughs> so I'm, hey, I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm replacing Pat. Know, Come on, I he's know, not I here. Know. I love Pat's it. Pat's good at that, I too. Love yeah, it. Yeah. But, but just that, that, like, some people would say, oh, it was, it was you know, it was psychosomatic because you just said pear. Okay, but yeah. But the flip side is, is if you don't know what pear, pear is a little oversimplistic. Mm. But if you don't know but what it smells like. How are you going to know what it is? And so for us, like training is the next thing that, I, that, sure. that Natalie and I are talking to our team about that. That's what we need to, we need to train everyone on all these things that draft labs say yeah. that are there. Yeah. So that level of involvement. Yeah. Well, unfortunately that is the time we have today. Uh, so I want to thank you for being here, Vinny. Uh, and, thank you. And Steve, thanks for hanging out with us, telling us your family story. Yep. That it's was always good to be here. It was kind of you Thank to share you. that with us too, uh, you know, a very personal story about Simcoe. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that, uh, and it, and it's nice to hear. Um, I'm gonna end with a little bit of advice for our listeners um, about Vinny, because all right, as you know, Vinny, everyone's like, oh gosh, it's Vinny, it's Vinny, it's Vinny. Everyone wants to talk to Vinny. You say his name, everyone turns their head. It's a whole fucking thing. Um, you and, sound like Matt Brendelson right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I've recently, I have figured you out, Vinny. And I've been recently giving uh, advice to people who I meet who are excited to, to meet you. And that is, if you're ever in a room with Vinny and you get a chance to say hi, just talk about beer. Just be nice. The, no, 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 no. You don't even have to be nice. I don't think he cares. <laughs> uh, just talk about beer. And the reason I say this, after all these years and, and all the accolades, Vinny, you're still one of the beer geekiest beer geeks I've ever met. You just love beer. I do. He's in the brew house every day. He's not up in the office. Uh, he, he's a beer guy. And so my advice to you, you get a chance to meet Vinny, talk to him about beer. <laughs> Tell him what you just brewed. Tell him about your homebrew. And I guarantee his eyes will light up just a little bit, and you'll have a great conversation with Vinny, and it won't be this awkward, like, oh, my God, it's Vinny conversation. This has been the advice I've been giving lately, because I know this about you, Vinny. You're still just a beer guy. I am. I love beer. <laughs> it's amazing how much you still want to talk about beer after You're a homebrewer with an empire, yeah. <laughs> and you'd rather punt it off. Yeah. <laughs> just talk about beer. Uh, that's my advice to you folks. Thank you for being on the program, Vinny. Uh, Steve Carpenter, we're going to talk to you, I'm sure, uh, quite a bit more in in the course of our our podcast series because we've got more to learn about your history nych happy to help out justin um in an upcoming episode we are going to be speaking to my good friends john palmer and denny khan and um we're going to talk actually about some legacy hops uh i even in in air quotes i put unloved hops uh the truth is they're still loved but we don't talk about them they're not the cool kids anymore don't forget brewer's gold oh okay <laughs> uh, yeah. uh denny is in the room right now don't let me forget to bring up brewer's gold uh on our next uh they're they're still loved actually they're just not the cool kids that we talk about and they're they're the they're the cool parents mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whose kids are obnoxious yeah but the cool kids Except that they're cool. Right. They recognize that they like the Rolling Stones. They used to go to school with Bob Dylan. (laughs) Right. They're they're still cool, but Mm. in a different level. I'm going to go ahead and admit right now that, uh, as if it's a dirty secret, but Chinook, uh, I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite all-time. It's in hops. Blind Pig, and I is it in Blind Pig? Oh, See, yeah. you know what? If I'm nothing else, we've been else, talking about this. Dude, if I'm nothing else, I'm juice. consistent. And I just got to hang out with. Uh, in fact, you said Matt Brittleson yeah. uh, and and brew a beer with him, and he put Chinook on the table, and we were all blown away. We had about seven hops on the table. Everyone's Ooh. favorite was Chinook, and it reminded me how much I love that hop. So and, we're gonna, and everybody's so. like, "Oh, Chinook, it's a boring old one." But no. No, it has the nothing juice. boring about it, and that brings uh, it just continues Chuck Zimmerman's legacy because he is that right? He That's developed him. that variety as well. Mm-hmm. There you yeah. go. That's yeah. a great dry hop. It's so, so maybe you guys good. can talk about it's that. It's a lifter. It's a lifter hop. It's, and it's, that's what we were using it in a, a, as a dry hop. Yeah. Um, a lot, Amarillo is my other one, but Chinook, right there. So we're going to be talking about that with Denny Kahn and John Palmer. Thank you for hanging out with us. We are live at Hop and Brew School. This is the Hop and Brew School podcast. Uh, we've got a lot more content to come. Nick, it's fun to talk to you. And boy, that brain of yours. I don't know what to do with this. Um, I, I, well, I'm under a lot of medication, so, so that's <laughs> typically the answer, I think, and therapy helps too well here's what's gonna happen you and john palmer on the same podcast oh Oh, boy uh it's gonna be it's either the perfect storm of 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 information or i'm gonna have the hardest time ever to wrangle you two in yes Uh, (laughs) yes okay dude we need to break we we need to as people are going justin we need to we need to we need to buck justin (laughs) thanks for hanging out with us this is the hop and brew school podcast we will see you next time take care of yourselves and your beer